Welcome to episode 41 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Uh, 41, hopefully with no uh, technical difficulties. Uh, we, we are trying something new thanks to uh, to Eric and Owen. We're, we're stealing what they do. So we'll see how this program works. Is it really episode 41 or is it episode like 3.2 because it's your third round? New co-hosts? <laughs> it's 41. I've been here for all of them. It's 41. Uh, Robert and I won't leave you, I promise. But don't promise. You don't know. Speak <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> At this point, I have no clue. Uh, like episode 80 may just be me by myself crying in a corner by the time I get there. <laughs> so, uh, but how's it going, Robert? It's going well. How's it going with you guys? Ugh, last week before Thanksgiving. Four more wake-ups, and then it's Thanksgiving break. <laughs> and then we just, our school, high schools just shifted back to A-day, B-day schedules, so they split our kids up again because of COVID. Damn COVID. Yeah. So now it's really weird. Like, today I had a class with two kids. Uh, That's so what? That doesn't even seem like it would be worth going. Yeah, and, and everybody out there, everybody was like, oh, that's great. It's a small class. You can do a lot. You've obviously never been a teacher. Because it's very hard to teach two kids. They're so, they're just so quiet. If you if you have two kids that are very comfortable and are comfortable talking and participating, no, no. that comfortable it's great. Talk, comfortable talking about school stuff. I got true. plenty of kids that are comfortable talking. <laughs> they just don't want to discuss I like school my stuff. Fifth graders. <laughs> oh, so anyways, that was that's that's gonna be my week. Getting used to going back to this, and then I get to end it going to New Orleans. So yeah, it's gonna be fun. So I guess I let, let me go ahead and uh, mention our first sponsor, which leads into New Orleans, Herps Reptile Shows. Uh, my last show of 2020 will be the New Orleans show this weekend at the. Uh, I'm gonna mess up. Is it a le- what was the name of the place? Alario. Alario. I, I know it's with an A. The Alario Center. In I think it's in West Wago, but it's West Wego. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's it's West New Orleans. Wego. You can throw a rock and hit Bourbon Street. It's New Orleans. Yeah, in New Orleans, where they call the street that's spelled Calliope Calliope. Yep. Oh, what a weird place. So yeah, that's our our one of our sponsors. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. They have one of the show, Austin, right? Isn't that this year? Yeah, it's two weeks later. Two weeks later. They had to cancel. Yeah, they had to cancel the Colorado show. Uh, but they do have the Austin show and that'll be the last show of 2020. And then we start a whole new run of them in 2021. So as we yep. get closer, yeah, we have, go ahead. We have, we have four in a row, the first four weeks of uh, January. We don't, we, we don't, you do. Yes. Cause yeah. you have shit to yeah, sell right. and that's your job. Right. I, I've got to deal with teenagers. <sighs> yeah. Also, I apologize for anybody's listening and, and Robert sounds a little robotic. Technology really doesn't like us. Yeah. I'm actually we, uh, looking for a new mic right now as we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to order another one for Katie so that we have two mics so that we're not just sharing the same I one. I feel like I'm all up in his personal space. Because she is. I mean, I'm his wife, so it's loud, but still. No, no. Too she much personal is. space. And she's getting spit all over my mic. Anyways. <laughs> I am 
I'm not. Um, and then uh, I want to go. Well, I'll let Robert go ahead and mention our other sponsor <laughs> of the show. Yeah. Yep, yeah, Lone Star Reptile Racks, my company. Um, we do all the herp shows. We are going to start doing some other shows next year as well. And uh, we would love to to build you guys some racks. Are you going to try and do uh, the Arlington, the NARBC? Yeah, definitely going to do though that those shows next year if they happen, and uh, possibly the um, I forget the name of the series Otis and Malia shows. Isn't it Lone Star? Lone Star. Yeah, I guess I should know. How that, the hell I? do you forget? <laughs> Yeah, I'm sitting here going. There's no way he means the Lone Star ones because that's yes, I mean, that's his company's Lone Star. Yes, I do. That's them. Oh man. So yeah, if you're in Texas, you'll definitely be able to get a rack. Uh, I saw the picture this week. You had rodent racks this week at the show. Yep, I'm gonna have them. I should have them at every show from now on. I finally I have really, a reliable source for building them. I was really proud of myself when I looked at your picture from the show on Facebook. I was like, oh, these are rodent racks. No, no, no. That's not what she said. She said, he makes racks out of wood. No, 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 no. Yes, don't say no. I corrected myself. After I told you they were rodent racks. No, 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 no. I knew they were rodent racks. And you you seconded that thought that I had. Because the word that I wanted to use. Folks, she is an ELA teacher who can't say words. She can't word right now. It's been a long day. <laughs> oh, that that's she's teaching the youth of America, folks. Actually, They're right there. If you if you I'm wonder actually grading writing you, on the side. If you right wonder now. what's wrong with America. I'm multitasking. Uh, I'm multitasking poorly. <laughs> anyways. So our I do want to go ahead and get to our guest because I've mentioned this guest a couple of times on different episodes. I've wanted to have him on. Uh I first saw his cages, I want to say in Conroe. Yes. So I want to welcome, and I'm I'm gonna promise I try to get your name right. I'll say it. Oh, I'll say it right. Joe Challoner. Absolutely. Whoop whoop! I told you I'd say it right. <laughs> I, I wanted to James French it up like, and add I some eyes and some A's in there. I see the wheels turning. In I was gonna make like I was gonna make you sound fancier. You could charge a little extra on your cages, Joe right. Challoner. <laughs> Challenger without the G. Come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Heck yeah. Say that with a bang. Anyways. Ooh. Yeah, actually, uh, I think the, the that was a terrible joke, I, James. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think the first show I actually uh, technically released him at was the uh, 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 Corpus Christi show. So I went at that. And then it was Conroe. I was at the Conroe show where we got kicked out of the restaurant. Yeah, I was there too. Yeah, I know. That's that. I think that's the first time I met you. Was that show? That's that's where I brought the Uber driver and got him wasted. Yeah, that's right. The Uber driver <laughs> stayed and drank. Which, for anybody other, it's an Uber driver. That's probably not the best thing. If your job is drink is driving, don't. Is it drink? Bad he drove us home. That is bad because he was there. He was there all like four hours. We were there. Ugh. Yeah. What restaurant but, yell at Mama Juanita's? No, 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 no. No, this it was, was some other place. We rented we rented the bar out and then still got kicked out. Yeah, it, it was – let's just say I, it was not I good. I took children back to the hotel because I'm a responsible grown-up. That's right. You weren't there to see and all the I down. wasn't there and just heard about it the next we, day. We will not be going back to this restaurant. No, absolutely. Uh, it was definitely not uh, Mama Cedas, which is across from where we normally stay. But uh, they're used to our craziness. This place yeah. was not. They were not ready. 
So he wasn't ready. <laughs> but so Joe is uh, the creator, builder, whatever of Venom Proof Cages, which I've talked about before, which is probably the one way I'm going to get my wife to let me keep a venomous snake. True yeah. statement. You know, and that's, I hear that a lot, actually. And it wasn't really my intention. Actually, I never meant for this to be a company at all. I just wanted to keep deadlier stuff and get my wife off my back. And, uh, you know, it started with me and my daughter going to a show without her. And I brought back a monocle cobra. And she gave me a week to make the cage I was always talking about. And then my buddy wanted one. And then I posted a video that went viral. And it became a company. See, okay, so, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna pause you for a second right there because that's see, not very nice. See, you, I, I will say, <laughs> what are you looking at me for? What did I do? Because when Joe, when Josephine was little, I'm not gonna be able to call her Joe on this episode. <laughs> when Josephine was little and you went to an event without me, you came home with Madagascar hissing cockroaches, and that is so much better than a cobra. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say that I, I don't want to hear James complain anymore about you bringing any, you and Josephine bringing anything home. Hey, if she brought home a Gaboon Viper, a cobra. she could have brought know, home right? a Gaboon Viper. I don't think cool with a that. A gecko is not nearly as terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I already had venomous, like, I kept lots of venomous. See. Oh, okay. So like, this wasn't like the first venomous snake that you got. No, no, absolutely not. But I was mostly into crotalus species, you know, lots of different Atrox and you know, so to go to the finally like make the jump, I'd, I'd worked with cobras at like friends and other facilities before, but to make the jump myself to bring one home was like at first it almost seemed like another level. At now I realize that like I did it backwards because I love working my, with my cobras compared to my crowdless species. They're so much, in my opinion, easier to work with. But uh, you know, it was just another level. <laughs> So for anybody out there that has not had a chance to see Joe's cages, I, I'm going to give a, a brief description of a non venomous keeper, how, how I see them and try to explain it. And you can correct me. Okay. Uh, they, they seem just from the outside, like a regular PVC cage, like everybody's used to, they come in the sizes everybody's used to. And then you start to look at it. It's got um, a lot of features that make it much safer. It's not just an open space. It has a built in shift box slash hide. Um, that comes with a sliding uh, door to close it off that you can lock that doesn't come all the way out, right? It's built into right. the cage. It's built into so, the cage. Uh, it comes with a with a couple of other doors on the front to allow you to feed. Like there's a feeding, a small feeding door. Yep. So that you don't have to risk a wide open cage and a snake shooting out of that. Um. It's made out of PVC, like everybody's used. To. It's the black PVC, like people are used to. But it's high. It's it's not regular it's, PVC. It's it's actually not PVC at all. Yeah, yeah it's right. Not so, that's right. So it's uh it's a hundred percent recycled HDPE plastic, which is about ten times stronger than PVC. It's uh, like cutting boards, right? Yeah, cutting boards. They make motorcycle helmets out of it. All sorts of stuff. Um, it's it just doesn't warp, and it's just stronger. Um, I like the look of it too. I think it gives it more of a shine, a little bit of texture to it. Uh, and it's not thin. I mean, th those are thick oh, cages. No. So originally when I first made them, I did them out of quarter inch and I tried to plastic weld them and they worked. They did. I mean, I still use them to this day, my original ones that I have, uh, but it wasn't exactly what I was after, but I wasn't trying to make a company to begin with. I just wanted deadlier snakes. <laughs> uh, but then, 
you know, now that I upgraded to the half inch and everything CNC'd, I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's a night and day difference. I mean, it's unreal how, and actually our eight foot cage, the front is made out of three quarter inch thick now um, because originally with the half inch, uh, what happened is because the doors were so big and, you know, there's so much weight to it. Uh, it would actually warp a little bit on the, on the front part of the plastic. And so to eliminate that, I just went up to three quarters inch thick and now you could stack them three tall if you wanted to. And you're using hinge doors, not sliding glass doors. Yeah. And so I have a big problem with sliding glass doors personally. Uh, I actually have a cage from a company I'll leave unsaid that takes a long time to deliver. I wonder um, who that is. That uh, has sliding glass doors. And I had a retic in it (laughs) that uh, started smelling the pheromones from a female underneath. And he started hooking where they like push their sides up against the cage. And I was in my living room and the door flew out of the cage and shattered all over my floor. And then I had a retic sticking his head out going, sorry. <laughs> I, know, I know that Owen, uh, Owen McIntyre had that issue with glass doors, glass line doors came home and uh, it had busted open the glass door. Yeah. Retic. And so that's another reason I don't use glass for my doors either um, is I just don't want them to break. So I actually use a quarter inch. Uh, it's, Shatter resistant and abrasion resistant coated uh, acrylic. Yeah, that's, I, I will say, uh, from seeing your cages the first time I saw them at Conroe to the last time I saw them at Conroe, the changes you've made are drastic. I mean, I'm saying the first time I saw them, they were great, but I've definitely seen where you've grown just in the probably year or so that I've known you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, well, it comes from number one, I have a super huge passion for it. I mean, anyone that spends a little bit of time with me will realize real fast how passionate I am about this stuff and my cages in general. Uh, Because let's just be real. Bites are good for nobody. The person that got bit, the community, none of it. And if we can prevent that, even by 10%, it's a win in my eyes. Well, I know we've mentioned before on here that venomous keeping really in all, in all reality should be super boring. Yes, Uh, Absolutely. Like, and, and it is honestly my, I mean, I guess if you go to a certain channels or whatnot, they make it seem exciting, but that's like unnecessary. And let's it, do you get hero points when you're dead? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't get it. Right. <laughs> I live up in Wisconsin. So like even my, you know, my copperheads, that's going to be a problem for me if I get tagged up here. Yeah, I'm, even if I, you know, when they they'll get the anti venoms and stuff to me fast enough, but these doctors don't know what they're doing. They don't see that on a regular basis. <laughs> you know, they'll they'll kill me from the anti venoms. Well, I sent a video to Robert earlier of a guy that posted a video on Facebook uh, with a big gaboon. He had it in a water tub, and he was free handling. You saw it? Yeah. He free handles it out, and his excuse was he didn't have a hook big enough for that snake, which is my first issue. Right. If you're going to own a gaboon, you have to have a big hand. body hook. He had a double hook in his hand. Yeah. He said, it like, what, do they make a bigger hook than that? I mean, that's, if your excuse is an equipment excuse, that's, that's not an excuse. Just, I was just about to say, if, if you're going to own whatever you choose to own, you make sure you have the correct caging for it. You make sure you have the correct equipment for it. I mean, it, it's, it, to me, it's the same as making sure you have the right stuff to feed it. You're not going to feed it something totally off the wall and random. So you're, you need to make sure you have 
you know, the right equipment that you need to be able to do whatever it is correctly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and I read, I read through the comments and of course, some people, you know, are like talking how bad it is. And then you ask them to go, well, free handling, I would never recommend free. I, what was it? It's like one person's like, I free handle, but I don't recommend it for anybody. It's not for a beginner. I'm like, no, 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 stop, stop at the beginning. Don't recommend free handling for anybody. It's not just beginners. Right. Anybody. There's, there's, I've worked with them as snakes when I was a reptile keeper at a zoo. I've worked with big gaboon vipers, big rattlesnakes. I've worked with copperheads. I never had to lay hands on them unless we had to do something medically. Right. To and them. In a tube. Yeah. We, I tubed them and then picked them up. I never was like, oh, I trust this snake. Let right. me hold it. Right. Yep. I'm like, Absolutely. there's days where I don't trust my corn snakes, let alone, uh, you know, a four foot kaboom mm-hmm. viper. Well, and let's yeah. just be real. These snakes don't want to be our friends to begin with. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's why they're rattling their tails and hooding up because they're scared of us. And when they're scared, uh, they're going to back down originally. I mean, you can look at any of my uh, snakes. The first thing they're going to do is back down into a hole. But then if you get go in there with the tongs, they're going to start striking at it. You know, uh, They don't want nothing to do with this. They don't want to be our friend. Why would you try and be their friend? I mean, let's be, in reality – None of these reptiles really want to be our friend. Joe, we, Joe, my snakes love me. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but hey. how, much, how long did you have to get bit before it loved you? <laughs> at, 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 at the Beaumont show, I watched a girl carrying a little baby boa in her palm, and she was walking in front of me, and I'm like, she's about to try and kiss that thing. It's going to bite her in the face. She stuck her lips out and bit her right on both lips. No! Nice. Oh, yep. God, I hate that I missed hurts. it. Yep. Yeah, you were gone somewhere. And oh. I was like, oh, where was James at? <laughs> <laughs> oh, stupid people. But yep. back to the cages. I, and I, I know like, this is not a, not a straight up interview, but I do want to talk about the cages more because I really like the way it works. I like the fact that I could, if I had one, I could put, say, the mouse or rat or whatever inside the hide box, open it up, let the snake go in and eat, close it in, and clean. Yep. And so the nice part is, is they kind of work for the best of both worlds for like the person that just wants one personal pet. They don't want to be a breeder or anything like that. They can set up this cage, get the habitat and all the husbandry set completely perfect. I usually recommend people have the cage running for at least a week or so before they put their animal in it. That way, you know, everything's working right. Um, And then they could realistically never touch that snake for the rest of its life, you know, but pending they bought a quality captive animal and you know that there's not glitches in their system but you know they never have to come in contact with that animal and it could live a perfectly happy healthy life and then for joe didn't you have a guy i'm sorry go ahead and then for people like me that are like you know i do breed and i do shows and stuff like that it's convenient yeah there's times that i have to remove the animal from the cage whether it's for breeding or packing up for a show but when i'm on the road my 15 year old daughter can clean and maintain all my animals and I don't have to worry about her safety for one second. Where before I'd have to pay uh, didn't a you, couple hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you have a guy that told you he was going to buy a small one from you so that if he ever had to take it to the vet, he could get it over into the smaller cage and just take the whole cage to the vet. Yep. That's exactly what he was going to do. Actually, he was just, he was yep. buying a smaller species of snake. Um, and he, right. actually, he did buy the cage. It was a uh, Angolian coral cobra. Um, so they stay about mm. two foot in length. They're really beautiful. Actually, they're they're super pretty when they're babies, and then as they grow older, 
they're a different kind of pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't as pretty as when they're babies. But anyway, his whole thing was is if something does actually happen and go wrong with this snake, I'm taking the whole cage right into the vet. One, well, I know some people are going to hear us say that you could never, you could buy this snake and set it up right and never have to put hands on it. And people are going, to, then why own it if you don't touch it? Well, That's not how venomous it. snakes work. Well, I have a 55 gallon fish tank and you don't see me scooping yeah. my hand in there to play and pet my fish. Yeah, I had a, everyone always asked me the same thing. Well, why would you want something if you're not going to touch it? I was like, well, when's the last time you took your goldfish and sat on the couch and watched TV with it? Like, <laughs> right. Some animals are for enjoyment and pleasure. And I will say there's nothing more enjoyable than you'll get than working with venomous snakes, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I do miss working with them. Uh, that's uh, That was one of my favorite things when I was a reptile keeper. Uh, so, go ahead. Go ahead, James. No, you're fine. I was just going to, I was going to go to the question that I asked that kind of, once I knew that I was having Joe on here, I poked a question over onto uh, our discussion group. Yeah. Let me ask him one question real quick. Joe, did the, how long did it take the green mama to figure out the food door? Uh, the first feeding. I figured it would. <laughs> That's right. I wanted to mention. But it, but it figured it out in a whole new level like that I never understood. This snake's actually blown my mind since I've gotten it. Uh, when they say they're extremely intelligent, that's an understatement. So I, I fed this snake one time through that feeding door. And then about five or six days later, the snake's hanging out in the hide box up on the top, which it loves. Works out great. It loves that upper hide box. And it's sitting there staring at the feeding door and staring at it and staring at it. And the whole day, it never stopped staring at that feeding door. So I thought out a frozen thought hopper, grabbed my tongs. I opened the feeding door, went in there. It came up, gently grabbed the frozen thought mouse and swallowed it right down. And then it did it again. And then it went over, over by its highlight and sat there and basked in the light. I, I, I forgot I wanted to bring that up because <clears throat> wow, <laughs> I wanted to bring up the different size cages. So you said you may have an eight foot. And that's more like a large terrestrial cage for, you know, whatever. King big. Cobras. Uh, I actually keep retics in them too. Like my male retics, I keep in them. So at the last Conroe, though, you had an arboreal cage that you, the, you yep. started making. Brand new that's why you got the Mamba. Yep. Uh, which is one that we've been working on for a while, but it was actually very. It was a tricky process <laughs> because instead of the hide box being on the bottom on the floor, like most of your species, I wanted to put a hide box on the top being an arboreal species. We all know that the arboreal snakes will find like carvolts and trees and they'll hide inside of them. Uh, so I wanted it to kind of be like that. And uh, it was just really tricky to get the security and everything like lined up just right for the hide box on the top. Um <clears throat> That one actually has eight inches of depth in the bottom, so that way it can be all sealed up and you can have a huge bioactive if you want. still has the feed door, uh, and I love it. I mean, you guys seen it. It turned out great. Yeah. yeah I'd, by two foot by three foot tall. I had seen a hide box like that before, only at um at Southeast Carpet Fest at Cody Barlini's place. Cody has a ton of amazing hots, and he's got green mambas with these, and I saw them using these. Uh, hide boxes up above and was really neat but like it doesn't do like yours it's not set up the same as yours you know with right. the locking and all the safety features at least i don't remember it may be cody i apologize it may be but it's, it's not it, it is not the way yours is on the front where it's got the sliding right thing, so I, it's it's turned out to work out amazing so far with the mamba i mean 
I've had it since Conroe and he'll hang out. I got it all vined out with branches and leaves like they like, and he hangs out in there all day. And then usually uh, at night he'll go up in the hide box. So I, if I want to clean the cage, I just wait till night. He's in the hide box. I close it, lock it up. I get in there nice and simple, clean it up. And then whenever he's hungry, he will sit in the hide box and stare at that feeding door until I go in there with frozen thawed food. And he takes it gently out of tongues and you know, he'll go and bask. And then he's all over the cage for the next five, six days until he wants to eat again. He has you trained. He yeah. has you trained beautifully. <laughs> because he's a happy, healthy life and I can live my happy, healthy life. I love it. So is that, that's an Eastern green that you have, right? Western. Western. Oh, those ones I loved with the big old scales. Yeah. 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 Yep. I was, well, and it's funny because the mom was the one snake I always told I, myself I would never get. And, they scare me. And, uh, but I have no fear because number one, I don't plan on breeding this snake at all. I, uh, you know, I got it because I've always been amazed by him and I wanted to test my product to the fullest because I believe in my product a hundred percent. And what better to test my product than with the world, one of the world's fastest, smartest, arboreal, most deadly snakes. Yeah, that's like I said. That's one thing with your cages the the ability, the the locking system. So explain the. Don't you have like a like a kind of like a double redundancy locking system on the door for the hide? Yeah, so the hide box is built in, and then there's a sliding door uh, that goes through the hide box. So when the snake is in the hide box or in the main part of the cage, you can pull out the slide. There's a hole that fits a paddle lock that so you can put a paddle lock in so the door can't accidentally get bumped open while you're in there. And then whether the snake's either in the hide box or the main portion of the cage, you know, if it's in the hide box, you can enter the main portion of the cage, do all your cleaning, water changes, whatever, you know, whatever yeah. you need to do. And then if you need to clean out your hide box, you just wait till it's in the main portion of the cage and reverse the process. Every door opens so you can access and clean every part of the cage. There's also no blind spots. So no matter you can see every part of the cage without having to enter it. Yeah, the hide, the hide box slash uh, the lock box, whatever, it's got a plexiglass door itself on hinges, yep. so you can see your snake in there uh, and check on it, which is really neat, um, and get to it and clean it. So yeah, that's that's it's you don't have to clean the hide box, you don't have to go into the cage to do it. Right, uh, you can do it from the box, which is also really cool. Yep, and you can fully seal them. Uh, I can if you order them ahead of time and say I want to seal, they'll have it sealed for you when I deliver them to the shows. Otherwise, if I ship them, they're flat packed and there's instructions on how to do it. But uh, honestly, the best way is to see me at a herb show and order it online because I deliver free to all herb shows. That's another thing that I find amazing. You live in, <laughs> you are not close to herb shows. No, like, absolutely. like I'm used to people traveling for like Daytona to vent that oh. or Tinley or out in California. This is not a knock on it because I love the Herp shows, but I'm not used to someone traveling from the distance you are to a Herp show. Like you, you've got to travel farther than any other vendor there. I guarantee it. Uh, but I do it for two reasons. Uh, number one, it's kind of in my DNA. Uh, if we later we'll get to how I got started, and that's kind of leads to why I'm not against going long distances. You know, from 12 years old, I was traveling the states going to reptile shows uh with one of the biggest breeders in the industry and then uh the other part is is i i don't like certain parts of the industry i i i like parts of where the industry is going you know i 
I only want to vent shows that I believe in. I don't want to go to a show that just has anyone that's got a reptile that they want to flip and trade off from Craigslist or this garbage importer or that garbage importer. I want to be in, I want to see quality captive animals, people doing good for the hobby. And I'm willing to travel to support those industry, those, those shows compared to other shows that might not mean so well for the industry. Well, and, and so all the, obviously all of us have been to the Herp shows and, and you're up North and it's a completely different world up there. And there's good I know it is North too. There is. Yeah. But the, and I want, I want your opinion on the Herp shows. It's just so different. Just vend, the way vendors are with each other. Oh my God. It's, so it's gotta be drastically different. My favorite part of going to the Herp shows is you guys are all the Herp vendors are my friends. Exactly. Up North, everyone is competition everyone <laughs> it's ridiculous i don't understand it i don't know why everyone can't get along and work together as a team but i mean the story of my life right uh, there can't we all just get along <laughs> like, I, I promote focus cubes like i love his cages oh yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying like and you know and robert's rex like oh my god I probably yeah, you're constantly like, tagging oh, me and vice oh, versa. 20 times a week. <laughs> yeah, at least. At least. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of that, like I've said before, has to do with the culture that Sean and Lori have started at those shows. Absolutely. Is that they don't make they don't make it out to where you're competing against the person next to you. And they never they never say it that way ever. I love Sean and Lori so much. They're probably my two favorite people in the whole world. Yeah, there's a lot of people that feel that way. I think <laughs> definitely. Um, so I just, it, I think it's awesome you come down, um, and especially because I mean, a lot of the shows are hot shows, so they, right. they well, go see, hand in hand. My, a lot of my businesses are now with the with the venomous, but I've been vending the herb shows since before I started the cages. I mean, long before the cages. I think, God, how long have I been vending herbs now? Five years. Can't remember. It's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of goes. I asked again. I asked a question on our discussion group this week. Uh, once I knew that you were going to be on here, uh, was I wanted to know who had venomous snakes in the group and what was their first venomous reptile? Obviously, I said venomous reptile, not venomous snakes, because some people own Gila monsters and stuff like that. Absolutely. I want. Um, Kevin Dove said a diamondback rattlesnake, and then I and then I had him clarify a western diamondback um, because uh, or was it? Oh, someone said it's not a good starter, and I agree. From everything I've heard and, and seen, and everything with westerns, they're not a great starter. Absolutely, but I, have, I have worked with easterns, well, and 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 I would not put them in the same category as each other. What what you don't know is those two, those two guys are really good friends, by the way, James. They're two of my gotcha. customers. Gotcha. But he's not wrong. Well, I've well, like I've always heard westerns no. have horrible attitudes. Uh, they do. Like <laughs> my my. Yep. Nicest, calmest Western literally will shoot off a hook at any random moment for no reason. <laughs> and, and I've worked with like, uh, you know, five foot Easter Diamondbacks, and I'm not gonna say they're calm, but they're not after you. They are a stand their ground, and, and like if, if you don't mess with them too much, they don't even want to rattle. Right, much for snake. Uh, that's kind of one of my dream snakes. Is I want a big female Eastern. I, I actually have a lot of westerns because I love the morphs. I think yeah. I think they're awesome, and it kind of like was where my big 
Venom has really retook off. I worked with a lot when I was younger and then here and there, but then when I really started getting back into Venom, once it came, it came down to me buying my house. I bought a house specifically where I was legal for all that stuff. Uh, Westerns is what I started out with back again. Probably, well, I'm gonna, but I still love them. <laughs> I'm going to come back to your answer in a second, and we'll get into that, but I'll go to some of the other ones. Yeah. Um, Travis Wyman, uh, being a wise ass, said, Define Venomous. We've had Hognose for half a dozen years and Ram Fiofis for four or so. He refuses to keep anything hotter than that. So he's talking rear fang, things that we don't usually assume as medically, uh, what's the word they always use? Significant. 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 Yeah. Until they are. Yeah, until until you're right. allergic to it, right? Then you're yeah, really like the lady at Conroe. Oh God, that one at Conroe was horrible. But uh, Bill Bradley said a copperhead. I've always thought a copperhead is the perfect beginner venomous snake, only because uh, the only death I've ever known of them was a guy that was allergic to them. Uh, there's a good chance, as long as you're in the south, west to east, that they have the anti venom at the hospital near you in case something does go wrong. And copperheads tend to be fairly calm. Now you don't obviously don't free handle them; they, they will bite. But in in the in the scheme, I guess of venomous snakes, and I don't I hate saying a beginner venomous snake because it's not none of them are. Beginner. It's yeah it's, yeah, it's not fitting. But your first venomous snake shouldn't be probably a cobra. Like so many people, I see go to a show and go and get a leucistic cobra. That's not a good idea. There, there's a lot of people that own monocobras in this. Movie country yeah yeah that's that's not a that's not a good snake for 99 percent of them and and keep them in plastic tubs under their bed yep. so that the parents don't find out mm-hmm. uh but so I, I bill bradley said the copperhead and that's what i thought also I, copperheads are are extremely pretty like oh, you can get some of them oh man they're amazing uh, i have i have about 30 of them they are one of the best camouflage snakes on earth. I know like if someone has it just laying in a tub of aspirin and you look at it and you go, it's bright red and orange. How can it camouflage? But every time you see those pictures pop up on, um, on Facebook groups, like where's the snake? You always know it's a copperhead. Like if it's a pile of leaves, it's a copperhead. Start looking for yeah. it. Uh, and- I keep all my copperheads set up bioactive in the venom proofs. And the only reason I know where they are is because I've been keeping them a long time and they're very, they're kind of a creature of habit. But any random person would look in there and think it's an empty cage half the time. I can't remember if I ever told my story about when I had to go catch the copperhead. So it's really funny that you brought that up because in my mind, I was just wondering, did I miss the episode where you talked about it? I think I hinted at it. And I don't think I ever mentioned when I went and caught all those copperheads at that woman's house. I got to hear this. Okay. So I got a, I got a call. No, 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 no. No, it was a post on Facebook. Someone posted on Facebook. So they had snakes. No, 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 no. What? I am right. I was getting in the shower okay. when someone tagged me in a post on Facebook. And instead of just getting in the shower and going about my business, <laughs> so I is, came and got him and said, like, hey, do you want to go do like this? This is like 5, 30, 6 o'clock, and it's going to get dark in about <laughs> 45 minutes. And we're like 40 minutes away from this person's house. Um, and so she says that she has, I think it was two at the time, was what I thought. I was like, okay. So I grabbed a tub and a hook. And I was like. And, and my tongs. I was like, I can deal with this. As we're driving there, we're five minutes away. She calls us. There's six of them. I don't know, five of them. I was like, uh, okay. I'm thinking, I can't do five. I have one tub. This is going to be fucking nightmare. And so we get there. 
Um, and what it is is she lives in the middle of the woods. And so the edge of the trees in her yard, they, she said they've been growing back and forth across the edge. She says there was one big one. So there's two things I can to figure out. Uh, the one big one, which I suppose that we didn't, is not one of the ones we caught, uh, was probably a female and we probably caught the males. Right. Also, I feel they were out looking for cicadas. They were out looking for food. Those little um, bug things. Yeah, uh, the what people call locusts, but cicada, you know, the loud ass, yeah, ugly bugs. Yep. So I start looking. We find the first one. I catch it. I put it in a tub. We quickly find a second one. I catch it. I put it in a tub. Well, I see one that's not moving. It's just sitting still. I'm like, I'll come back to you. Let me get the ones that are moving. And so I get the ones that are moving. I get that one. And then like, well, let me try to see if I can step. And it's dark at this point. Like it's uh, at this point, you can see what's in front of your flashlight, and that's it. And which really scares me because she's like, they've been going you know, five foot out and back and forth from the woods. I'm like, shit, I can step right on one at this point. <laughs> and so I was like, all right. And, I'm, and I've already got like three in the tub. And that was a nightmare to get the third one in. Cause once, once the first two realize when the lid opens, they can get out. It was like pl- fucking playing whack-a-mole to keep them in there. <laughs> and so, cause it's, I'm not, I'm not prepared for, if you were going to go, why didn't you bring? Cause I was told there were two, not five. Right. So I get the third one in. And I was like, all right, let me step into the woods to see if I can uh, see if I can see one of the other ones. And I was like, you know what? I've seen way too many pictures of them up in trees eating cicadas. And that, that thought immediately went through my head. I was like, let me look up. And as soon as I looked up, eight foot up in the tree, straight ahead of me where I was about to walk, is a copperhead climbing the tree. I was like, I'm really glad I looked up. That was probably one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen was seeing that snake up in the tree, up in the tree like that, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was way up there. We, we, I caught it out of the tree. Uh, and then it was a fucking nightmare to get the fourth one in. Cause you get it in two more come out. And so it was me with a hook and tongs and like Katie holding the lid. And so while well, she was holding the lid with the tongs, I had the hook. So anyways, I get the four in there and I'm thinking I'm done. Like there's no, even if we find the fifth one, it's staying. Cause there's no way I can get it in here. And we didn't, we didn't see the fifth one. I got four of them, uh, gave them to a friend. She went and released them on some private land. Right. But yeah, that if next time I'm going to take multiple tubs just in case, because uh, I was not prepared for four of them, but yeah, had I found the fifth one, I wouldn't have been able to do shit. Having them on my back porch overnight was slightly terrifying though. I'm just going to throw that out there. (laughs) It was well taped shut, (laughs) but you could smell like you could smell them as you were standing there at the edge of the woods. Oh yeah. You could smell them in my car for like two days after the fact. Well, that too. They did. They did have a strong musk. But terrible. Yeah that that was that was interesting. And this woman was amazing about it. She's a bio. She was also a science teacher at a little country school, high school that's out here. And uh, she didn't want to kill them, which is why she called us. Um, and she's like shooting pictures and video, and she's posting it all over Facebook afterwards. People are going crazy about it. But like they said, the coolest thing was the one that was like six, like seven, eight foot up in a tree. Yeah, no, um, definitely. But like I said, Alec Fear was there looking for food or that big female, wherever she was. So that was my Copperhead story. That's awesome. But anyways, back to these things that people have kept. Uh, Scott Borden said his first uh, Venomous was a pair of baby Sidewinders. Uh, Interesting uh, place. Oh, those are cool. They are. Those are cool. I have one. Um, let's have see. One female. I like sidewinders. They're, they're, those are the ones like, I don't like keeping. So, I don't like sand in my collection, but those are things I would keep on sand. So mine's on white sand. And the reason that she is a permanent resident is because I, originally I bought my buddy's collection 
and I was kind of like torn on whether I was going to keep the Sidewinder or not. And uh, then I had uh, picked up this Monaco Cobra from, uh, I don't even remember how it happened. It was like the end of the day, some guy came back and traded it to another guy that didn't keep Venomous. And so I ended up with it and I fell in love with this Monaco Cobra. And in the meantime, Alicia fell in love with that Sidewinder. She thought it was just the most beautiful snake that I own. And so when it came go, time to go to the show, I said, uh, so what's the deal? I said, uh, am I packing up snakes or not? But the deal is if I got to pack up your, my snake, I'm packing up your snake. And she said, guess we're not taking any snakes to this show. <laughs> <laughs> but I love her. She's awesome and beautiful, and she'll spend the rest of her life here now. My, uh, so my, this goes another copyright story, actually. My buddy, my, I have a local friend here who keeps venomous, and he has Transpecos copperheads, I think. Um, and he had a female who, who hasn't been with a male in over a year. And he went in one day to get her and, and to, to clean and all. And he looks in the tub, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye, he sees a little tiny head sticking out of the bedding. And he realizes, oh, shit. And he looks and he finds two babies in there with her. So either retain sperm or what I have seen with copperheads before, it would be uh, – my brain is not working tonight. Parthenogenic? Parthenogenesis. I was trying to think of two. I know. That's my, but I've seen it happen before with, with copperheads. Um, but that, my thought was, man, could you imagine had you move, removed the female snake? put her in a safe tub and then gone, all right, I'm going to clean this tub. And all of a sudden there's two fucking babies and you reach in there to move bedding out of the way. And one of them tagged you. Uh, so that was the warning I got from one of my buddies uh, because the sidewinder I had was a proven breeder and the same thing happened to him, but it was in sand and he didn't see the baby until almost last second. Um, and one of them actually got out that he didn't notice. And uh, they found it a week later. It was in the cat litter. Damn. Yeah, it actually, it bit his cat in the nose. He was freaked out, but it must have been a dry bite or something because the cat was fine. Uh, but yeah, he uh, that one he warned me because I had some atroxes that were doing. He said, "Dude, just make sure from now until that you have them that you're in there with the hook first every day." That's crazy. That's a good tip for wow. anyone. Yes, especially if you have a female venomous snake, move a hook around in the bedding. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Dallas Rua said his first venomous was a Southern Copperhead, and that was one about one and a half, two years ago. They've had multiple Copperheads, a Cottonmouth, two Timber Rattlesnakes, uh, or Cane Breaks, depending on where you're living and what you want to call it. Uh, cottonmouth is not one that I choose to own, just because they, I mean, Copperheads smell bad enough, but God, Copperhead, Cottonmouths are on a completely different level of smell. So, I always forget his name, because I'm terrible. You guys will know his name. He's missing the fingers <laughs> I was just about to talk Sean. about his, his oh, albino cottonmouth yeah. Uh, yeah so I got a cottonmouth from him because he was like you know we were talking about it and he was like oh man if you like copperheads you're going to love cottonmouths they're so awesome they're like having a, a copperhead that's way bigger and I was so it he, smells worse so he completely sold me on it <laughs> and I and I brought this beautiful male cottonmouth home and i set up this four foot cage completely bioactive the moss and the dry side and the water set up and that snake completely destroys that cage every day oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's, that's nine finger sean in case anybody's wondering yeah 
Yeah, Thanks, have any of you guys seen it. his uh, his albino? <laughs> I've seen the albino pictures. Oh, oh man, that's the mail that I got was collected from the same pond that he collected the albino. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard that story too. We're we're gonna get Sean on here at some point to tell these stories. Sean, uh, awesome. these, these are these are all stories that I hear at like midnight on Saturday night after the show after a lot of alcohol has been uh, yeah taken. I, I don't drink. Just <laughs> this last time. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Oh, I just don't drink until I get by you guys. All my <laughs> all my friends in Wisconsin are like, "Wait, you go and get drunk? What? We can never get you to drink." And uh, I tell people down south that, and they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, Are you coming to I New Orleans? Honestly, no, it's opening weekend of rifle season. Oh. That's okay. a holiday. I, and I don't know if you guys I are missed, aware, but nine-day no. rifle season is a holiday. Legit, you get wow. automatic excuse from school for your kids missing school for nine-day oh, rifle season. We have opening day of squirrel season down here. <laughs> <laughs> fucking squirrel season. So I, first time I found out that was a thing, I, I thought it was lost a joke. my shit. I didn't think it was real when I so, moved here, and they're all the like, country, "Yeah, we're out of school." There, there's a handful Friday. of country schools that, yeah, they will not take attendance on that Friday uh, for the opening weekend of squirrel season. See, in Wisconsin, we despise opening day of squirrel season because it's opening day of bow season, and uh, it always tends to be that if you're on certain public lands the squirrel hunters show up and just ruin your opening day. Well, down here, they love to shoot some tree rats. Yeah. Oh, and I eat them. I don't like, they're good. It's really good. I'm not, I'm not eating a tree rat. I've never oh, had so squirrel. what you do is you boil them. And- no, 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 no. That's what you do. Okay. No, that's not what <laughs> I do. I'm not eating but, a tree rat. But you got to make a three part combo. Okay. So you need to have rabbit, squirrel, and some type of like bird, like uh grouse, or I don't know what do you guys got down south. Doves, 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 quail. You bo- you boil it all down and get all the meat out and make it into a gravy over like potatoes or something. Well, that sounds horrible. It's Great. delicious. Surf and turf. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, and then we had one other Dakota said my first viper was an Eastern Diamondback at a young age, and he quickly progressed to a Lapids. Uh, first being a Naja Siamensis, so some sort of cobra. I don't know. I, um, I know that's a cobra. So I'm not a Latin nerd. I try. Like, I know the Latin on everything that I personally keep, and it's only because I write their Latin name on the cage so I memorized it and sounds I'm, it's, it's the. I'm going to guess it's Diabetes cobra, but I, I, it's probably not a thing. No, it's Indo Chinese spitting cobra. What's funny is if I Googled it, I would probably know what it is by its common name. Yeah. <laughs> Indo Chinese. Uh, oh, I was close. Indo Chinese spitting cobra. Oh, yeah. Those are sweet, though. Fuck that! I'm not owning a spitting cobra. First off, I don't want to own a cobra in general. Second, I don't want want one that can get me from distance. So I had a spitter once. It was a long. I dated one of those two. Oh wait, what? No uh, sir. No No, sir. No sir. So it was a long, 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 long long time ago. I had a spitter, uh, and it wasn't for me. I picked it up from a show for a buddy, and uh, he wasn't going to be able to pick it up for a couple weeks at my house, and so I was like. felt bad it was in this little deli container i was like i gotta let it out so i opened the container and it's just sitting there all chill and all i had was like a 20 long fish tank with a screen top to put it in nice but i was like out yeah, i'll weight it down and it's only going to be a week or so i just didn't <laughs> want to be in a deli cup for two weeks like that's not going to happen at my house and uh 
So I get the lid all popped like I normally would. I uh, click, take my hook, reach in there, and I just kind of popped the lid off from the top. And that thing came out like a ball of fire, spitting like mad. And then the spit hit the screen top and turned into like a fine mist. And yeah, that was, I covered it with a towel. And that's the one and only time a spitter has been in my collection at all. And it'll never happen again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I'm that's that's not for me. No. Nope. Uh I'll let you go ahead and take your first venomous because you did answer on here your first venomous snakes. So I worked with a lot of venomous. Like I, I've been lucky a lot. I've been obsessed with reptiles since kindergarten. Uh but there just happened to be a herpetologist, uh Tom Lossman, that moved next door to my grandparents. He rented out the whole triplex. And I was homeschooled, so I got a job with him. And it was crazy because my first day on the job, he takes me through a hundred different species of reptiles. And he's like, yep, you're going to be helping me take care of all of this. So you can imagine that just, I was almost 12. That was my job. And I was homeschooled. So it counted as cool, which was even cooler. I ended up working for him for like six years. So I worked with everything from, you know, rattlesnakes to pit vipers by the time I was 13. It was the first ones that I ever personally owned were a pair of Ruber rattlesnakes that I bought at the end of a Texas show. It was like 10 years ago. <laughs> Just some guy that didn't want to take them home in the parking lot as I was packing up my stuff. And he like basically almost gave them to me. I think I paid like $40 for them. Wow. Yeah. The wife wasn't happy. We lived in an apartment at the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was that guy. <laughs> and you and you didn't have amazing venom proof cages at the point yet. No, no, I kept them in plastic tubs. <laughs> you were that guy. I was that guy. Um, actually, Anybody those, listening? Don't be that guy. Snakes can be seen at the local zoo. Uh, I sold them to the guy that ran the reptile department about two years later. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's crazy. <clears throat> I uh my I don't own anything yet. I but I do want what I really want is a gaboon viper. When I worked at the zoo, we had a big female gaboon viper and she was awesome and I miss that. Um and I will own one at some point. Uh, but I may I'm I feel like I, I go I should start out with copperheads, but I've worked with copperheads, I've worked with gaboons, I've worked with timbers, I've worked with Easter like I'm not starting from nothing. It would just be they'd be in my house for the first time. There's a difference between your your first venomous and the first venomous that you personally owned. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I will do it at some point. It used to always be I could never own one until our daughter goes to college, right? Which is like ten more years. But but I think your cages may get me a couple years sooner. Yeah, wives sell my cages for me. <laughs> it works. <laughs> hey, you know. I mean, and let's just be real. Like, um, that part of it's awesome for the people that are like on the edge, and it just takes that little bit of like mindset away for them. That's part's awesome, but it's also for the guy that's gonna do it regardless. At least if I can convince him to keep them safely and smartly. Number one, I've ran into too many situations of people that have you know, say for instance, Western Diamondback, and its cage is just disgusting because they're too scared to take it out. Shitty. Well, and that's that's the thing with your cages help the hobby in general because it's right. it's it's one less chance. Anybody that buys one of your cages, 
it's one less chance of that person being an uh you know yeah in the paper or on the news. Yeah. Man gets bit, woman gets bit. I wish we could so. explain that to the free handlers. No, you can't explain anything to them. They're, to them, they're doing everything right because they know their animal. I don't know why. And they could as like uh, I'm telling them they're doing it wrong. I mean, I am, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, like I said, it's in their mind they're doing it fine and they're doing it right because they haven't been bit right yet, and 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 they, and they may never get bit. But there's no reason to take that chance. Dude, I took a lot of chances when I was young and stupid. I'll be the first person to admit it. I've I was I freehandled stuff in my younger days because I thought it was cool. But uh, eventually I got some common sense and I I promote all the time, especially to the newer people, like listen, there's none that doesn't prove nothing to nobody. You'll get just as much reaction when someone walks into your house and sees a cobra than you will when someone sees you hold the cobra. I'm telling you right now, I, like I said, I went to, to Cody and Pia's place in Florida for Southeast Carpet Fest, and their place is set up zoo quality. You walk in, you see these giant, I want to say they're like eight foot by four foot cages, two of them, each with a pair of black mambas in it. And it, I don't I don't care. Like, I don't care to ever see anybody handling it. I got up face to face with a black mamba, just glass between us in this huge naturalistic with branches and soil and leaf litter and that's awesome. Like that's going to impress anybody. And if it doesn't impress them, then there's nothing you were going to fucking do to impress them. Like that's, I don't know. I just, I, again, I think a lot of it's just, a, you know, I, they want to feel more in their mind, more important yeah. because they can, ha- they can hold that snake there better than you. Well, and it, it gets, <coughs> that, you know, I, I've been, a lot of people have been talking to me about starting a channel and I might, but my venomous portion of the channel is going to be pretty lame. Yeah, that, but that's how it is for any good venomous keeper. That's you know, the problem. The cool part. Of, that, the cool part of my channel is, is I go herping at all the shows that I go to, and that would be cool to see. I want to. We'll talk about it at a show. But I'm all for good con, like good content done right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I'll talk about that. But anyways, let's uh, move on. We had, we did post a question on our on our page this week. Uh, along other than the venomous snake question, um, this was also, I think this was Robert. You came up with this question too. What has been the most challenging reptile you have kept? Why was it challenging? And were you successful? So kind of a multi-part thing. Uh, and we had several responses and some of them, uh, some of them were surprisingly not as tricky an animal as you would normally think. So again, reading these responses made you real, made me realize at least that uh, what one person finds tricky may not be tricky for someone else. Right. Um, but I did not respond. What? Sorry. I said, I did not respond to this because I figured I'd be on here. So we'll let's, your, I was going to say, let's see if anybody else is the same. Cause I know which, I think I know which one's yours. Uh, Lisa said her Aki monitor set up for a super nice, big enclosure. Just to find out that it actually did better in a smaller, less extravagant enclosure. That's another thing. A lot of people, uh, they get their animal and they sit up in these huge enclosures and wonder why it won't eat and it won't act right. And that's always hiding. It's because that's just not where it wants to be. Um, she also said ball pythons because they're little bitches that don't want to eat their dinner. <laughs> there you go, Robert. Booyah. <laughs> ball pythons suck. Ball yeah. pythons super suck. They I hate all of them. Very, very pretty. <laughs> oh, uh, this is one that was one of those animals people would go really 
But Ryan wrote, when I first got started, he struggled with his bearded dragons. Wish he had done more research on them. Uh, as he now knows the importance of a varied diet, uh, supplements, uh, more knowledgeable about their care. He doesn't wish to repeat the mistakes he made, uh, which has put, put him off the species. Which I think, I think beard is probably the most incorrectly kept reptile. Yes. <laughs> what was it? I said wrongly kept reptile. Yes. Yeah. Out. Yeah. I mean, between UV light and the right temperature and feeding them the right diet and give them the right calcium dust, and they're not as easy as people make them out. There's so many more lizards that are easier if you weren't a lizard. But they they became the I don't know in the last twenty years they became the green iguana like the green iguana was horribly kept wrong for so long and then people are like I don't want this big mean lizard and then they went to beardeds yep uh, you you took a breath like you were gonna say something oh no go ahead no oh. I was getting closer uh, this next one I think is gonna fall into <laughs> yeah, your category it does. <laughs> uh, Ryan Holland said. He would have to say his veiled chameleon. They're not as challenging to keep alive because they are so hardy. To keep one healthy and thriving is a different story. Breeding roaches, gut loading, supplements, good UV lights, humidity spikes at night while having air circulation, keeping plants alive in the enclosure, water dripping for them to drink. If there are any other species of chameleon, he would not have made it this long. And I think that is where Katie yeah, would come. So that was actually one of the first lizards that I ever got, and it was horrible. And it was horrible because when I bought them, I didn't buy them from a pet store and I got them too small. And so that was an issue. Um, I got it too small. And so because it was too small, it wasn't a good eater. Uh, the first one that we tried. And so I, I did everything possible. I had done tons of research it just, it did not go well. It was not long after James and I started dating. It was my first experience at owning my own reptile. Um, needless to say, that one did not make it. A couple years it later. It wasn't that one. There were we about two of them, I thought. A couple years later, we were like, let's try this again. It, it did not go well either. To this day, I don't own build chameleons, but I think they are one of the coolest lizards. Have you seen the pied? Yes, yes, I have. Those are awesome. But I, I would say chameleons in general. They're just tall. every time I see someone get a chameleon as a first pet, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's not a good first reptile. No, I used to breed panthers, and I finally like decided enough was enough. When I got sick of, you'll be 12 months into an incubation on eggs, and something goes wrong for no reason. It's a long way. Yeah, yeah. I just they're. They're easy to keep if you can get the setup right. Yeah. But the problem is it's very hard for most people to get the setup right. Like the people that live in uh, Florida that can keep them outside in a pen. Yeah, it's going to be great. But if you're in Wisconsin, keeping it inside of a yeah. screen cage, trying to get everything right, okay. it's going to be a lot harder. Like humid in the winter when our heaters are all going. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what that's like. I live in Louisiana. What is a, what's a winter? <laughs> Uh, Tony said elephant trunk snakes, mainly because of the lack of captive knowledge. Uh, he says he wouldn't necessarily say he's been successful, successful until he's surpassed five years of captive care with the species. 
But that is one of those snakes that's really cool looking, but not, there's not a lot of information out there because not a lot of people are keeping them. So it can be a little tricky because it's kind of hit or miss experimental experimentation when you're trying to figure out how to take care of it. Yeah, and most of them are still influenced. I mean, I don't think I know. I'm sure someone's breeding them, but I don't know anyone doing it. Yeah. I had to Google it because I wasn't sure what it was. An elephant trunk snake? I've heard of them, I but held, I had to remember. I held one at Conroe. It was awesome. I've had them before. I didn't do very well with them either. It's a weird-ass snake. Yeah. Uh, Bill Bradley said Meller's chameleons, which goes back to, again, our our thing about chameleons. And he also lives in the Midwest, so outdoor enclosures are not a thing for him. Well, uh, you guys get so huge. Yeah. I mean, they're huge. <laughs> Brandy said imported adult green tree monitors. None of that part sounded good. Uh, I, I can't imagine imported adult monitor of any sort Going makes a great pet. <laughs> uh, Scott Borden said leaf-tailed geckos. He said it was very hard to get them to thrive in their room. So what I've noticed with leaf-tails is, is most of them are still wild-caught. Once in a while, you find some captive-borns. Captive-borns do great, but the wild-caughts either do great or they don't. There's no in between with them. Uh, Victor said, "Gray banded king hatchlings." Said they're a pain to get to start eating pinky mice, which I think is is true for a lot of very small species of snakes because we want them to eat mice is the main problem. Try you know. baby eyelash Fuck that. <laughs> well, that's like uh, I I would love to do. Uh, viper boas, but the babies are super small and they're not naturally mouse eaters. Uh, so I produced them, and out of thirty some babies, I had two survive. Yeah, see, that's wow. that's enough to keep me from wanting to do it. I sold the whole, the whole. I was done with them. I was so upset because I worked really, I worked harder on that them babies than any snake I ever had. Well, and Travis told uh, Victor to try making a lizard slushy, which just, it sounds <laughs> as gross as it actually is. And then soak the pinky in that, which again, it wants to eat lizards. That's the problem is they, with a lot of these snakes, they just, they want to eat lizards. Uh, oh, <laughs> Lavissa said her, her hardest one is the free snake that she recently received, which was an egg eater that a guy just sent home with her without her knowing until she got home. I, I heard that and I was blown away. Who does that? I know that's, uh, that's, that's insane. And she's having issues, uh, one finding the food and then it eating and then it actually eating before the food goes bad. And then she has to try and find more. She can't find finch eggs. So she's having to do quail eggs. Um, and so it's just, I mean, I've had people drop stuff off on my table as a vendor that I could never figure out where it came from before, but never a vendor dropping it off on a customer. Yeah, just putting it in the bag and sending it home. Yeah. I legit, at the end of an Indianapolis show, it was probably nine years ago, there was a giant snake bag on my table. I opened it, and there's this huge African rock python in there. And I went everywhere. No one had a clue where it came from, but I was kind of known for big snakes back then. Someone literally just dumped it on my table. It was a psycho. The thing was crazy. Well, I wanted to come Yesterday at uh, the show, there was a. Um, a Tokay gecko loose that was up near the ceiling all day yesterday. And uh, <laughs> after the show, they got a, uh, the, the venue had like a scissor lift there. So Sean got on the scissor list and got up there and got it with, uh, 
with a, a net and nine finger Sean caught it after it jumped out of the net and Bart who it belonged to had already left. So they called Bart and Bart said, just give it to somebody. So nine finger Sean kept it. It was a big tokay, but uh, yeah, it hung out. At the, one, huh? Yeah, it was all the customers were looking at it yesterday. It just sat in one spot all day long. That's awesome. <laughs> so, you got a lot going on in the background, Joe. I got lots of kids. He has like 52 kids. <laughs> like, I'm hiding in the reptile room. So I, I had to like, disappear. There wouldn't be as much noise and you can still hear him. Yeah, I had to disappear for a second because I got a text message from our nine-year-old that she was needing help with the math problem because she has a math test tomorrow. So yeah, I'll tell you. I had to I, go, I had to go disappear and, and keep a meltdown from I happening. I do so much props because I've never been a teacher before and I've had to be a teacher since like for a while now. And it's a tough dude. And I only got four kids to deal with and one of them's not in school. <laughs> right. um, I feel sorry for all of, well, I guess definitely Phoenix's teachers because, man, I don't know how they got through their day. <laughs> uh, so the last one on this list of animals people had was Jason. He had a spectacle caiman, which automatically just is is hard. Yeah, that's another one that I'm amazed. I remember so many times when uh, I don't know if they're that big of a thing anymore, but you remember like shopping malls always used to have a pet store in them. And there'd always be like a spectacle came in, in the shopping mall pet store for sale. And I'm like, who the hell's buying a crocodilian in a pet store? Like just walking in going, Oh, look, hamsters. You know what would be better than a hamster? A crocodile. <laughs> like that would that's So it wasn't too long ago in Wisconsin where it was a regular thing to see alligators in the pet stores. Insane. Wow. Insane. But I'm not saying that these again, these are animals that can be kept by a very small percentage of people correctly. Yeah. It's the same way I feel with sulcata tortoises. And I say it before on the episode, sulcata tortoises are great pets kept by a very few people. You know, very often they kept horribly, but th- this came and lived to be 22, which I mean is not and came in years. I don't know. It's, it's, they can definitely live older, but that that's pretty good considering. I'm sure there are tons of came that didn't live past three. Right. Uh, that are out there. So I, I gotta give Jason props twenty two years with that one, but I mean that's nothing. Like yeah, it says dwarf caiman, spectacle. Well, spectacle caiman, but they take space. I mean, a lot of space. I have two alligators. I know. <laughs> See, that's nothing. I can't understand. Like, because it's not like you can go outside and build a pond and a yard. Like, so I do for the. Summer. It snows up there. I do for the summer huh? for a little bit. I have an outdoor setup for them for a whole two and a half months. Well, that does tie into a video that uh, one of our listeners posted. So, uh, I think it was Ryan. Ryan posted a video of uh, Ryan Goslow. It was alligators in the winter in North Carolina. And I've seen this before, but every time I see it, it's really cool. So, where the ponds freeze over, they stick their nostrils up above the ice, and then their nostrils freeze in the ice. Is that with just the, What is it? I've seen that. Is that insane or what? Yeah, it's crazy. Like they, they can still breathe, but they're just below the ice and they're frozen in it like in a jello mold. I mean, they're part of the ice at that point. They like go into this dormant state like flies in the windowsill. It's nuts. That's insane. So, yeah. They're insane. They're crazy animals. I mean the, the stuff they can get through. Dude, Wisconsin has snakes <laughs> that live here. Lizards. <laughs> like 
gets really cold here. <laughs> well, that's that's like I'm 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 still working on trying to get my rubber boas put into brumation. My my cooler seems to be fluctuating way more than I need it to fluctuate, so I'm trying to get that figured out. But uh, I mean, that's like we talked a lot last week with rubber boas. They've seen them out in the snow, or like Travis who caught a rubber boa at night at like 40 degrees, just out roaming yeah. at nighttime in 40 degree weather. I, so. I just just so it's been like we'll have like snow and then it'll get like a little bit warm like 50s 40s and then snow again and I've been like seeing snakes going to my deer stand on the warm days. That's crazy. It was just snowing yesterday. What are you doing, bro? You should be in a hole right now. <laughs> so that was that was my questions for the week. I uh, I did watch a video this week that I wanted to bring up and it's going to be controversial whatever. Uh, but I sent it to you, Robert. Uh, I don't know if you watched it yet or not. I did. But it was the Brian Barcheck video. I love how you're like, let me let me throw Robert out here because he probably watched what yeah, I sent him. He did. I know you didn't. And I told you earlier that, oh, yeah, oh my no, I, bad. I didn't watch this I video. gave you the rundown. <laughs> but Brian Barcheck went to uh, – what my brain just went blank. I said it earlier. Is it Reptile, Reptile Land? Oh, yeah, yeah. i seen that. Yeah. In uh, – and I'm still going to get this one wrong too. South of North Dakota. I can never remember which one it's in. South Dakota? North Dakota. It's in one of the Dakotas. It's basically out in the middle of nowhere. But it was, uh, it's, it's, it's a well-known, like I've, I sound like I don't know anything about it, but I know it's a well-known reptile zoo. And, uh, the interesting part of the video was that he went there and kind of expected them to allow him to do the behind the scenes things that he's gotten to do at some other zoos. And they told them no. They told them they didn't want them there doing any of that. They couldn't keep them from buying a ticket and coming in and seeing the place. Um, but they, but from what they have seen and I know of him online, they didn't want him to be a part of it. Now, with that said, there were parts in the video they didn't air that part, but they, they, he did talk to the the owner, and they kind of came closer together at, at an understanding. And it didn't seem it seemed a little better towards the end. But I saw that thinking, you know. I read some of the comments. We were like, well, it's, it's messed up for someone to judge someone they don't know. Well, here's the thing. When when you're on YouTube or on a podcast or on TV or whatever, we do know you. We we know what we see of you. And that's on, that's all we have to judge you on. I mean, that's, that's it. And I'm kind of with the owner. I mean, I've seen a lot of things that would make me question wanting Brian Barczyk to be a part of what I do. Now, I'm not – I don't want to make oh, – he hates Brian Barczyk. That's not what I'm saying. But there are things that he does that I don't agree with. The very sensationalized, clickbaity stuff that I guess he has to do to make his money on YouTube. I just don't like that stuff. Brian's my buddy, though. I love Brian. And see, and I'm not. And again, I'm not judging him. I'm judging see, him. Off I've of known Brian what I've since I was 13 years old. So I know, yeah, all sides of Brian. Like I was literally at uh, the table when he was talking about like the snake bites before it even started. And uh, my wife was like, what the fuck is YouTube? <laughs> see, and that's the thing. His, his original snake bite stuff, I really enjoyed. Yeah. But see, the but the thing is, is like the original snake bites was like in an era where that stuff was okay and funny. But if you tried to like put that stuff out today, dude, people would lose their mind, you know? And, and he's seen that. And I, I love like how Brian's went in a different avenue with what from where like not – I personally don't I don't agree with everyone that's upset with Brian for a lot of things. I think a lot of us back in the day did a lot of stupid shit that 
we turned around and changed. Some people changed, some people didn't. I, I think Brian's made the biggest change out of most of the people. Of course, he's still doing his clickbaity stuff, but that's the name of the game of YouTube. I know, and that, and that's and that's where I judge it on. That's that's the thing that I can't get past. Yeah. Again, I'm not judging him on being as a person, you know, and and I'm judging on what I see online, and that I, that's the things I can't get past. Well, right. and one of the things was James and I before we were teachers, we both worked at a zoo, and it was a city owned zoo, and we weren't allowed to speak to anyone in any form of media because it all had to be approved through higher channels. So. There's a part of me that, and I, and I didn't watch the video. I, I'll be honest. Life happened. School happened. It's a private owned. Um, it is private owned. Right. But you, when you're familiar with the style of video that he puts out, you don't have the final say on what's edited and what's put out. So I could see where they, where they would. So no. I went on their um, Facebook page and read, cause I said, I bet there's people giving them negative reviews because of it. So sure enough, there were people oh, I'm sure. and they were, they commented and said it was not the CEO and it was not the board. It was the curator of the zoo who unilaterally made that decision without consulting anyone. And uh, that's why that was the person who decided not to let Brian in. So that was pretty much right. their statement on on it. Uh, wh- whether we, you know, whether you believe it or not, I don't know. Well, if it was one person that made that decision without asking anybody else, you know, they probably got reamed for that. Yeah. Right. I guess it's easier for me because I know I'm on a personal level, so I know the true Brian, not the Brian that you guys all see. Which is, I guess, a lot of you know, he really is caring and he. He loves the animals. He cares about this hobby. And, you know, he really is a super nice guy. Uh, so, but I just know him on that level. So I try, I try not to listen to all the, oh, he quit here. I care less. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he, well, and like what he's done with his, he, he has brought more kids. It, he brought Logan into reptiles. He's the one who got my son interested in reptiles. And he brings so many kids into, shows them at reptiles in a different way. And gets them interested in it, and it's so appropriate. Oh, absolutely! And, and look what he's done with that reptarium up there. Oh, that thing looks awesome. You ever been there? Like, no, I haven't. I want to go oh, there. It's on, my, it's on my list of places so to I, travel. I was there the weekend that they built the the second part when they put in all the cages. I was there that weekend. We went for our anniversary, and it's funny because I don't. I don't see Brian that often these days. He's got his thing going. I got my thing going, but he always instantly remembers who I am. When I see him, he'd be like, Joe, Alicia, what the fuck is a YouTube? <laughs> Except he doesn't swear. He doesn't actually cuss. He'll say, what is a YouTube? And he, we laugh about it. But, uh, so we got the whole like background tour of the new setup went before anything was even in it. It was awesome. I love it. It's, yeah, it's. I would love to see all these crazy ideas for my house now. Like literally, I've been inspired to like do crazy things for my retics now. Well, I'd like. I'd love to make a trip, and I know. I know they're not near near each other, but I want to see that, and I want to drive over and see what Emily and Ed are doing once they have that. Place Emily built. and Ed are awesome. I love Emily and Ed. I've met them. Yeah, I've met them a couple of times. They're oh, really cool. So I met Emily when she was still in college, before she started her show and before she was all 
YouTube famous. She came, uh, she was doing bird shows at the time and she was starting a reptile show and she came to a cold blooded show and she was talking to different vendors. And so I've been vending Emily's show since her first original show. Uh, she's a great person. I love Emily and Ed. Both of them are. Ed, Ed seems like he's quiet, but he's really not. He just doesn't like cameras. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, our, when we went to Tenley last year, we went out to dinner with Ed and Emily and a bunch of people. Um, and I've always said that what you see with, with Emily, that, that's her. Emily. That's 100% her. 100% Emily. She is just bubbly, happy, giggly, excited, loves reptiles. I mean, she's got a heart of gold. She's I love Emily. Well, and I – yeah. And that's, like I said, it's funny to watch her walk around an expo. It's, she has the hardest time of any human being on earth oh of walking God. around an expo. I couldn't imagine. Like I couldn't. Im- I've seen it. I've okay. So she was in Conroe at one of the shows and because we, you know, we ate dinner with them. Um, so we talked to them and this, that, and the other. Um, but it wasn't until like the third row that she had walked down. She took her hoodie off or her jacket that said snake discovery on it. And she was just in like regular clothes. So I think at that point it became a, Oh, is that who I think? Well, yeah, because then you don't get the kid going. Is that who I think it is? And it says snake discovery and they know who it is. Right. By the time you second guessed and realized that she stopped every five seconds to take a picture. And and she took a picture with our daughter who was pumped to meet her. She took a picture with my business partner who couldn't wait to meet her also. Yeah, Robert, you missed Tracy went fangirl over that. It was fabulous. She was like, she was like, she was like, introduce me yes. to her, introduce me to her. I was like, just walk up to her and say hi. She's a person. Hey. James has fangirled himself over people, though, so don't no, let but it. No, not like that. I have no problem saying hi to somebody. Oh, well, that's true. But anyways. <laughs> so I, I watched that. Um, there was one thing, and it kind of goes back to the Venomous. I, it was it was a word, and it was, it's not just it's not just Brian. This is not me like bashing on Brian. I promise. This is just something I hear other people say. But Brian said it. Um, he really liked James. Okay, so if there's an awkward stop in our uh, recording, it's because we had technical issues. Because why not? It's our <laughs> podcast, and it just stopped recording for no fucking reason. Uh, I switched over to this because I was like, I asked. I'm blaming Eric Burke for this one because I asked Eric multiple times where I was like, Hey Eric, have you ever had issues with this? He goes, no, it's worked fine. And of course I had issues with it. So I blame you, Eric. And I'll blame Owen too. Even though I think part of it is my, my internet connection. Yeah. Logan said that he's having problems on, uh, on his Xbox. With it, it literally too. says for your connection, very bad <laughs> network. It does. <laughs> I pay a lot of money for that. Very, very bad. bad network. Like the rest of us, very good network. You have very bad network. Uh, so anyways, we were talking about Ed and Emily. They were great. And we started anyways. So, uh, the, what I was going to bring up was the the issue I had with a a little bit of the wording that Brian said when he said he wanted to, uh, in that video, he wanted to, to play with Jameson's Mamba. And and I know what, I know, I'm sure he doesn't mean it that way, but it's, it's that wording that takes us back to the free handlers where like, I feel like play should never be in the vocabulary when talking about venomous. So that was I saw. I saw. I was like, oh, that that, that one just it, it it hit me a little bit. I was like, right. don't say play. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you want to play with your ball python, that that's fine. But playing with a a venomous snake, not cool. But anywho, 
What are you doing? I'm. Um, are you staring at the the jumping spider? She's uh, so that James has his jumping spider sitting on his table in his room, and she's so active tonight. Like she's just all she's over. Like, the she's place. active every night. Never. But never I have like fifty jumping spiders that live wild in my house. <laughs> There was one in my third block class today. The, the kids were like, "Miss Lewis, there's a spider on the wall." I was like, "It's just a jumping spider. We're gonna leave it alone. It's not gonna bother us. Let's move on with our day." Uh oh! One thing I did want to mention, and I posted on our thing, was that Dave Kaufman just put out a new book, and it's not a it. It's a fictional book based on real events. I'm so excited, and I want it for Christmas. Uh, it's called. I ordered it first thing first, today. Oh, did you? It's, uh, it's called oh, yeah. Elysium Coast. Um, he, I can't remember where I, I can't remember if he talked about it on our podcast or on another podcast or on a video, but I remember him talking about the story of it uh, that it's based off of, and the story it's based off of was crazy. Uh, so I just wanted to give a shout out for that book. Didn't he mention it? on the video with him and Clint and someone else. It's possible. I mean, there's 5 million things. Dave has they two were channels. visiting somebody's he's on, house. He's Dave on every podcast. Too. So it's possible it could have been on awesome anything. Because the dude doesn't sleep. Yes, the dude doesn't sleep. He's just... like, I get to personally know all the cool people in the industry. And then I'm willing to travel down. Because well, y'all got small states. Y'all can get... <laughs> yeah. You can go visit everybody, whereas like uh, Robert's over in Texas, and it takes him a day and a half just to get Dude, to halfway through mind. Texas. Like I had, <laughs> I was at that one show, and I was talking to a vendor. I was like, "Oh, are you going to be at this one?" He was like, "No, that's a thirteen-hour drive to me." I was like, "It's in the same state as you, do what?" I was that, huh? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's two places where that happens. Like if oh, you yeah, come if out I was north, to do a show in Amarillo, good. Yeah, if I was to do a show in Amarillo, that's 11 and a half hours from here. Is I can be to Texas in like 14 hours from my house. Yeah, but someone can't get from Texas to Texas in 14 hours. (laughs) There might be someone that travels farther from the same state than me. That's true. They're just just going from Texas to Texas and they travel farther than you. Oh. But that was that was all I had this week. I'm sure there was other stuff, but I, th- I can't think of it off the top of my head. Podcasts. Oh, I made what's a new the next friend. show you're gonna do? Who's your new friend? Phil. Oh, hold on. Katie's over here talking and co- just I'm gonna let Katie talk. Go ahead, talk. I'm pulling. I'm pulling up. Okay, she's so, not ready. So Bill Bradley messaged me on Facebook, which was super cool because I listen to his podcast and he listens to our podcast, and I thought that was. I'm still new to all this, so you'll have to excuse me for a moment. But Okay, for the third and last fucking time. Uh, I apologize <laughs> if this is making no sense at this point because our shit just is... You know what? Eric Burke again, it's your fault. So <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up because I've got now looking at 10 different tracks that I have to take and put together and... If you're listening to this podcast, I've probably already recorded the next podcast. By the time I have this thing edited, this thing is going to take forever. But, Joe, if people want to get a hold of you and learn about your awesome Venom Proof cages, how can they get a hold of you? 
Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, Venom Proof Cages LLC or www.venomproofcages.com or I'm at all the Herp shows, including the one in Austin, which I'm going to be doing a 20% off Christmas special that should be on the website tomorrow. Not all the Herp shows, hunting is more important, important than New Orleans, but whatever. Yeah, we haven't seen you in like a month. Order for the Austin show. I'll be there. Will you be at Slidell next year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'll be at Slidell. Okay, then I'll see you at Slidell. That'll be the next time I see you. Okay. That's a good show. I love the Slidell show. So I always end up missing Slidell for some reason. I had three vehicles blow up at once, trying to get there once in one day. Oof. Try not to miss Slidell this time because it's a good show. And then they have Hurricane. So, Robert, if they want to get a hold of you and order a rack, how can they do that? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Lone Star Reptile Racks, or www.lsreptileracks.com. And then you can also find him at the New Orleans show coming up this weekend. Yep. I'll be at the New Orleans show, the Austin show, and then all four shows in January and the other 24 shows next year. And then I'll see you. Yes. And then I should be right next to Robert in New Orleans, I believe. You are. I think I I am. So I I will be there. Yeah. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us, uh, all of Katie, go ahead. If you want to get a hold of Katie and, and talk to her. Go, Katie. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. That's about all I yeah, got. Yeah, you can find Katie. <laughs> Katie Lewis. I don't have an Instagram. I don't have. Uh, I don't have a Katie Twitter. I think it's Katie I don't Bosarge have, Lewis. I don't have any. Good luck on figuring out how to spell Bosarge. It's not. It's just like it sounds. It, it, you say that, and people still misspell it. I know. If you want to get a hold of me, it's uh, simply serpents on Facebook or simply underscore serpents on Instagram. I posted an awesome picture of a humidity hide that I made for my daughter's fat tail gecko. Uh, that's the most reptile related thing I've posted lately. It's got lot. It's got air plants and cork on it, and I. It's my arts and crafts moment for the weekend. It's pretty cool looking. I'll and, give you that. And then uh, for the podcast, you can find us at the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or at gmail.com If you want to email us, uh, don't forget to hop on over to the Reptile Gumbo Podcast discussion group on Facebook. Lots of really cool stuff has been posted on there. I'm yeah. really excited to see. How much it's grown in just the last week. Yeah. I'm, I'm So go over there. Anything you want to post, share, ask questions, anything. It is, it's a safe place. <laughs> it's a little safe space for you in the reptile community. Uh, and then we had some other stuff, but hopefully next week we'll talk about some other, some podcast stuff and, uh, and hopefully Robert's internet will, will work. And we will have a decent platform to record on. You hope. We tried something new tonight, and this shit didn't work either. I, I, I think this one's good. I think it's just my 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 internet connection, but I'll get Robert shit fucking it all up. Anyways, Wait, Robert <laughs> so the... can't have nice things. Damn it! So that is it. I'm hitting the stop button. Good night. Bye. Yeah.